Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's episode, we are talking with a licensed esthetician. We are going to cover everything you need to know about pubic hair, the history behind pubic hair grooming, why some women are motivated to wax and groom their pubic hair, and of course, we cannot leave out some tips for your next wax appointment. This bonus episode is smoking hot. Before we get started, I am super excited to announce a little project I've been working on. I am now offering intimacy coaching calls. To snag your free 20-minute call to help improve your intimacy, go to intimacy.vaginasvulvasandvibrators.com. I cannot wait to connect with you. I am super excited to have Jessica Nelson here with us today. She is a licensed esthetician. I met Jessica not too long ago while laying on the table for my wax. And during my wax, we were talking about how empowering a wax can be for women and how we we realized how much we have in common when it comes to educating women about their bodies. So thank you so much for joining me today to come talk about pubic hair. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to be a esthetician. All right. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I'm Jessica. I've been licensed for four and a half years. I always knew I wanted to be in the beauty industry. I grew up very privileged enough to join my mom getting manicures and haircuts and even those chunky blonde highlights, um, you know, when those were a thing. And I always loved feeling confident in myself, leaving those appointments. And then Fast forward to high school, I tweezed my brows to basically nothing. And as we know, brows are very important, especially in the beauty world. Um, And I learned my lesson by senior year. And I started to just kind of take care of them on my own. And I even started using those Sally Hansen wax strips. And I would like cut them to perfection. And my friends found out. And so then literally at lunch, they would line up and have me wax their brows and tweeze them and fill them in. Did they look good? I'm not entirely sure, but I loved doing it. And I knew at that point in my senior year that college wasn't the route I wanted to take just yet. So given that I also had a passion with makeup and skincare and apparently cheap waxing, I decided to um, join aesthetic school and I graduated, I got my license, and I started working for an amazing waxing franchise in California. Soon after that, I um, had to move away because my husband's in the military. That's how we ended up in Ohio. I was really upset because I had a great first experience, you know, with my first career job. I knew that's what I wanted to do when I moved here. It took a little bit of time to find the right fit, but I found WaxPot and I have been there for two and a half years now. Yes, I love Wax Pot. I was really excited that you guys built a store like right down the street from me pretty much. So before we talk a little bit more about pubic hair, I want to talk a little bit about the purpose of pubic hair. And there is some benefits to having pubic hair. It does provide as a barrier, a protective barrier for our body and protects the genitals from friction and potentially STDs or sexually transmitted infections or diseases. There is some value to pubic hair. 
there are some studies that show that pubic hair might trap pheromones and pheromones are our natural sexual attractant that entices other people to us. There's not a lot of good studies on that though, but that is one of the other possible purposes of pubic hair. Now, when it comes to development of pubic hair, tell us a little bit about the development of pubic hair. So my understanding would be that, you know, as literally as soon as we're born, we have vellus hair Um, and we have that all through growing up. But once you hit your puberty stage or, you know, late adolescent, early teenage years, your body is starting to develop androgen hormones. So those are technically more of the male hormones, such as testosterone, that hormone then turns and begins making the hair darker, more pigmented, and thicker. And over time, it turns into a full terminal hair. Terminal hair, it's always going to grow back. So even though you might shave it, wax it, maybe laser hair it, it's always going to actually be there. And normally with females, you'll start seeing more terminal hair growth in the middle of your teens. And normally you're going to see it on your legs, underarms, and obviously pubic area. And that's normally all you'll see. However, when I was doing some research, I realized that actually 10% of women experience excess androgen hormones, which then results in more terminal hair growth. So you might just have thicker hair or you might even see hair in other places that normally the male anatomy would, such as your chest, your back, your buttocks, even your upper lip or chin. Yeah. So in the medical world, we use tanner staging to describe the development of pubic hair in adolescence. And just like Jessica was saying, you know, everybody kind of starts with that vellus hair. That is stage one in the tanner staging in that pre-adolescent stage. And then stage two is going to be downy hair, which is a sparse, long, straight, maybe slightly curly pigmented hair. It's usually seen along the labia. And then the stage three is minimal terminal hair, which is that darker, coarser, curlier hair. Stage four is terminal hair that fills the entire triangle overlying the pubic area. And then stage five is that final adult stage where the terminal hair extends beyond the inguinal crease kind of onto the thigh and is more of an inverted triangle appearing shape. So Jessica did a great job of discussing the development, but in medical terms, those are some of the things that we are looking for at an adolescent to ensure that they're growing and developing properly. Now, you kind of focus more on the waxing side. So what is the history behind pubic hair waxing? I can't wait to hear this. I love this question. And fun fact, we actually do learn this in aesthetic school, which I don't know. It's just pretty cool to me. So even though our hair does absolutely serve a purpose, it has been removed in the name of all things beauty. It can actually be traced back, the hair removal, to ancient Rome and Egypt. But the modern era of hair removal was encouraged by Charles Darwin's book, Descent of a Man, in 1871. In that book of theories, he stated that humans with less body hair were more sexually attractive. By early 1900s, middle and upper class white American women associated smooth skin with or as the desirable femininity. 
The shaving of pubic hair became a trend in the 1940s when the introduction of bikini bottoms came about. And so clean shaven was the ideal look all the way to the 60s and 70s when we had a brief moment of all natural beauty. And then that pretty much ended in the 80s when Brazilian waxing hit mainstream media. The first salon that offered a complete removal via waxing opened in America in 1987. Since then, it has skyrocketed. It's never turned back. And now we even have services called vajayshals, where after a wax or sometimes before, they will like steam it to loosen up the hair follicles and get a better hair removal. And then afterwards, they'll put on a soothing mask on top of the vagina. (laughs) So it has come a very long way, (laughs) but it can actually be dated back thousands and thousands of years. That is so interesting. And I I've heard of vagina facials, but I'm not really overly familiar with them at this point. I know I always wondered, like, what is the difference between a bikini and a Brazilian? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, that is such a great question. That's one I get every day. So your basic bikini line wax. Now, keep in mind, every waxing salon or esthetician is going to be a little bit different. But at Wax Pot, our definition of a bikini wax is basically the hair right outside the line. So the, the hair that you're talking about onto the inner thigh, we remove that about four fingers width. And then basically just one finger off of the top. So it's your basic cleanup around a normal underwear size. Now, if you're wearing a tighter bikini, you're probably still going to see hair. That's where the Brazilian can come in. The Brazilian is full frontal labia and backside. Sometimes women do like to keep a strip on top. And that is totally fine. But so long as we're removing hair from the labia and or the backside, we consider it a Brazilian. Some places don't consider it a Brazilian unless you're doing the behind in between the cheeks. However, we consider it with the full labia and backside. Now, if someone is a little scared or not interested in removing all of that, but they want more than what the bikini line would offer, we actually have a middle service, which is the bikini full. The bikini full takes as little or as much off of the top as you want, but it does not include the labia or the backside. So if you wanted a strip on top or a triangle, we could still do that. It would just be further inward, or you could actually take it all the way down to that pelvic bone right before the labia. Oh, that's so interesting. I had no idea that that one even existed either. Now, when I was preparing for this podcast, I came across a 2010 study in the Journal of Sexual Medicine that showed it was more common than not for women to have at least some pubic hair and that total pubic hair removal was associated with more positive genital self-image. What is the most common type of hair removal pattern you see? I think that it has changed so much in such a short period of time because even though that was only 10 years ago, what I'm seeing now is a huge mix of both. I feel like it's a very personal preference and there's really not even an 
an age specific that is like, oh, I want my hair left behind or, oh, I don't. Sometimes I have an older generation person that comes in and I'm like, oh yeah, they're for sure going to leave a strip. I'm going to ask, obviously. And they're like, nope, take it all. And then I have someone closer to my age who's like, no, I actually want to keep a little bit of a triangle on top. And so I just find it very interesting. I do with my personal clients, I see that huge range. I can't really say that there's a rhyme or reason to it. I truly think it is personal preference. Some people do bring up that their partner prefers a little bit more hair on top. Um, and I, one thing I hear a lot is they don't want to feel childlike when it comes to being all bare. And the other thing I hear as far as being all bare is they don't want to deal with it whatsoever. The less they have to do, the better. So yeah, it is absolutely personal preference. Absolutely. Yeah. I know like even in my friend group, their personal preference is all varied. A 2016 study showed that the Journal of American Medical Association in Dermatology that 83.8% of surveyors reported grooming their pubic hair and only 4.6% used waxing, which I thought was a little on the low side. And the majority, 61% were using razor. And this article also said that 59% were motivated to groom their pubic hair for personal hygiene and 55.6% groomed for sexual encounters. It also said that 21.1% groomed their hair because their partner preferred it. Would you say that you see the majority of women coming in to wax for themselves or their partner? Yes. So one thing I try to stand by is getting waxed for yourself. It's easy and normal to want to meet your partner's expectations on what goes on down there. But ultimately, it should be your own decision. Getting waxed is a very empowering thing. Many people leave and feel like they can conquer the entire world after. It's also a very vulnerable experience. So it's important to be confident in your decision because it allows you to be more comfortable during the service. And I feel like I do get a good mix. My regular clients now do it for themselves, whether they have a sexual partner at the time or not. I do get a lot of first timers who are like, oh yeah, my partner wanted me to try this out. He wants me to leave this or that. So I do see a lot of, oh, my partner wants this. And so I try to gear my conversation in the room about, okay, so what do you want? You know, and how is this going to make you feel? We don't have to go through the whole thing if you're not comfortable, if they're, you know, experiencing more pain or more reaction. So I really do try to focus the conversation on empowering them and letting them know that this is a choice that they should be making for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I understand that partners may have like a preference, but at the end of the day, it is our body and we should be determining what we want to do with our body ourselves. I also know a lot of people who do it for personal hygiene and they're not intimate at all. It's just, they don't want to deal with it. Yes. And feel cleaner. Yeah, exactly. And pubic hair has like a natural odor. And for some people, they just don't, they don't enjoy that natural odor. And so cleaning it all up is easier. Yep. 100% agree. Now, when it comes to the wax experience, what can a woman expect when she walks in to see you? Um, 
she can expect to feel a little nervous. That's very normal. Um, but my goal as a wax specialist is to make them as comfortable as possible. The more relaxed they are, the easier it is for the hair to be removed. And so when you walk through my doors, I'm going to walk you through every step of the way on what I'm using, my cleanser and my oil. I'm going to be educating you on your hair growth patterns and what to expect within the next few, you know, few treatments because it does take two to three waxes for the hairs to all get on the same growth pattern. So I, you know, I just educate them on how it's normal to see some hair, but you know, just keep up with it because it's totally worth it. We also go over aftercare instructions to make sure that they get the best results afterwards and how to address any possible reactions or irritation, things like that. Once they're finished, I'm getting them rebooked and that's for about four weeks out. At that point, they are completely hooked on it and I see them every four weeks. And yeah, I mean, it gets easier with every visit. So I always encourage them during that as well. <laughs> that is true. I've heard that when you wax, the hair grows back thinner and finer the more you do it. Is that true? It is very true. And the reason for that is we are removing the hair from the root. And that brings me back to the whole thing about how the hairs can be on different growth cycles. There's the antigen phase, the catagen phase, and the telogen phase. And so when you're shaving, you are creating a blunt edge. You're not getting the hair from the root. You're just cutting the surface of it. And that hair can be in any three of those stages of growth cycles. And so once the hair is long enough, it has to be about a quarter of an inch to get waxed. So normally we say to put those razors down for two weeks. That hair can be in any of those cycles. If it is in the catagen or the telogen phase, then we are not able to get the root of the follicle. We're not getting that bulb. It's already detached. So that's why it takes about three treatments for them to all be on the same pattern. But once we get to that point and we are removing that hair in the antigen phase, which does last about four weeks, that's why we recommend for two, six weeks to get waxed. But once we get those hairs in the antigen phase, we are damaging, we're creating the most damage to the follicle. And so the first part of the hair's growth cycle is the thinnest part. So that's what's coming out naturally. But with the extra damage, you're going to be seeing less hair over time. Some of the follicles quit producing that hair because you're being ungrateful. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it is absolutely true that your hair will grow in thinner and less over time. Oh, that's awesome. Now, does waxing around your period hurt more? It can cause some more sensitivity, which is totally normal. So I do like to give that fair warning before we start. But for the most part, it doesn't make a huge significant difference. People still get through it. And you absolutely can be waxed on your cycle. I want them to do whatever they are comfortable with. And whatever they are comfortable with is fine with me. So if they would rather reschedule... I'm totally okay with that. If they're like, no, I need to get this done. All I ask is that they pop in a fresh tampon right before their service and we just continue as normal. That is good tip to know. Yes. Sometimes your vacations don't coordinate appropriately with your wax schedule. Yes. So. <laughs> we see that a lot. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Any advice for women interested in starting to wax? 
Yeah. Um, my advice going back to the, the whole decision making of it, do it for yourself because I feel like when you're confident in that decision, you're more comfortable through the whole thing and it just creates a better experience overall. So that's my number one thing is make sure it's something you want to do. Two, just know once you get there, if you were like, hey, I want the Brazilian and then you're like, ooh, I don't know. It's okay. We can do a bikini line or bikini full and work you up to the full thing. That is not a problem. It's whatever you are most comfortable with. Secondly is just know, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. It is going to be a little painful the first time or two, but it's not something that is intolerable. And I just like to reiterate to my first time clients that it does get easier. You just have to stick to it, just like anything in life. Stick to it, it gets better. And that's really it. And I do have a couple tips as far as preparing for your wax is you can exfoliate the hairs um, just to remove any dead skin cells and things like that. Um, I should say exfoliating the skin, obviously, Um, but exfoliate the skin to remove any dead skin cells and you're going to lift up any possible ingrown hairs. You should do that two to three times a week leading up to the night before your wax. That way it is fresh, ready to go. And you can also take an ibuprofen about 30 minutes before to help with any inflammation afterwards. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. And with the ibuprofen, I always say anything medical, we don't give medical advice. So make sure that that is safe for you and talk to your personal provider. However, I was totally going to recommend ibuprofen as well. That makes a huge difference for just reducing the swelling and um, making a little bit more tolerable, tolerable you see a lot of vulvas. So my question, I know from like my side doing pap smears and things, are you paying any attention to the differences between women's bodies? Oh yes, 100%. And the reason is because how we wax, it varies. We have a typical pattern that we follow, but no two vaginas, vulvas, anything are the same. <laughs> they are all different. So that means you're going to have a different hold with someone who is more of size. It can be harder to get in between the inner labia. So you have to know how to maneuver their legs in a position where you can get that hair for them or somebody who maybe has a bad hip or whatever the case is, you have to know how to properly maneuver their body in a way that you can still give them amazing result. So yes, it's definitely important to recognize the differences and know, okay, I've seen this before. I know what I need to do then to be able to effectively remove this hair for this client. So yes, they are all different, but they're all unique in their own way. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with them, (laughs) but there is never any judgment on your body at all. This is what we do for a living. We chose to do this as a career because we enjoy making people feel more confident in their own skin. And that is our end goal for any client that is on our table. We don't want them to feel judged by their skin color, by their gender, by their sexuality, by their body. We don't want them to feel any type of way about anything. We want them to be 100% comfortable and safe with us in our environment. And that's how it is like in medicine, you know, we do a bunch of paps and we're paying to attention to medically what we need to pay attention to, yes. but 
exactly. Nothing else. So, well, thank you so much for sharing all of this good information with us today. I think a lot of the listeners are really going to benefit from learning some of these tips and tricks. At the end of the day, it is a woman's choice what she does with her body. And both Jessica and I want you to be happy and feel comfortable in your own skin. So whether you are going bare bush or somewhere in between as long as you feel good and confident that is what is important this podcast is sponsored by pure romance by jordan jones have you heard about her quarterly subscription box the sexy box the next shipment goes out september 15th be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss the hottest subscription box out there each box is valued at more than a hundred dollars and includes some of the top selling products Check out the link in the bio to get yours today. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.